God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm going to preach today out of the book of Judges. I will give you my title and read my text shortly. But I will say the book of Judges spans a period of several hundred years when you study the entire book. And during this time, the people of Israel consistently turned away from God, were seduced by other religions of the peoples in which land they dwelt, and they had been commanded to drive those people out of Canaan, but they did not. And so they were influenced by these people that had strange religious practices, and God sent judges to the people of Israel. And these judges, a number of them, uh, you could probably name uh, many, many of them. You heard about them in Sunday school. But these judges and this era of, era of judges, uh, they were charismatic leaders. They were typically led uh, by one or several, they led several or one or several tribes into a military victory over the oppressing people. Uh, then they served as civil and religious leaders and during their lives, the people they judged typically remained faithful to the Lord, but then when that judge would pass on, the people of God would wander back into worldliness. There's a great value in looking at the lives of Bible men and Bible women. Now, everything they do, we don't want to emulate, but it's good to look at some of these men and women to see what to do and what not to do. What do we look for? We look for their experiences. And they ought to say more than just David killed a giant. Those experiences ought to say something to us. They ought to translate into the giants in my life. What did they experience? How do they mirror my experiences? What errors did they make that I can avoid? What did they do right that I can do right? We also look at their character. What kind of people were they? How did they grow? How did they mature? We also look at their relationship with God. What is their relationship with God like? Did they have difficulties? Did they trust God? Were they faithful? How did they love the Lord and how did they exp uh, ex express that? And these things are very important because by these men and women's example, we can learn and we can grow. Somebody say amen. So I draw your attention today to a very familiar text, a very familiar story, probably a familiar name. It's found in Judges chapter 14, verse 1. We'll read down through verse 9. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore... Get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, right in the middle of that story, I'll keep reading in just a minute, but right in the middle of that story, it tells us about friction that is going on. 
we see a decision a man makes that's probably not the best decision for his life. We see the consternation it involves his family in, but right in the middle of it, it says, but his parents did not know that God was at work. I want to tell you right now that God is at work in every situation of your life. Verse 5, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him, the lion that is, as he would have rent a kid or a lamb. And he had nothing in his hand but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he passed and he went down and talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating. Everybody say he went on eating. He went on eating. Sounds like some of us apostolics, doesn't it? He just went on eating. Wouldn't it be great to title your message that? Went on eating. And came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. The issues of this story are more momentous than simply a young man from an obscure town arriving in a neighboring Philistine town and seeing a young woman there desiring to marry her. The story is deeper than that. The Bible tells us God is at work. Somebody say amen. (laughs) In spite of the negative circumstances, in spite of how we would say he's not making the right decisions, God is at work and the Bible tells us that. This marriage arises out of Israel's willingness to coexist with the Philistines. But God doesn't want his people coexisting with the Philippines. The Philistines. God wants his people. Truth does not mix with idolatry. You can't make that leap. And God wants to remove his people from this influence. And he'll take negative circumstances, even negative decisions, and turn them into the purpose and the will of God. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. The proverbial monkey wrench. God throws into all of it a comfortable relationship between Samson and a Philistine woman. God throws a monkey wrench right in the middle of it because he's at work. God will cause the Philistines to take action against Israel because Israel has not taken action against the Philistines. Either way, God is going to remove this influence from his people. And he'll take negative decisions if he has to. Oh, you're not hearing me. But look back in your past and you say, well, there's some things I'm not proud of. Absolutely. But I want to tell you, God is at work in every instance of our lives. Oh, that ought to cause me to want to praise him today. That ought to cause me to want to love him today. Samson a rebel driven by selfish interests, doing whatever he pleases without any respect for his parents, with no respect for the claims of God on his life. But in the process of all of it, he ends up doing the will of God. Now that's a shock. 
that a man full of his own will ends up doing what God says is my purpose and my plan. The Samson story is a fascinating study in a relationship between human freedom and divine sovereignty. In other words, God is going to do his work regardless of what human beings do. (laughs) And the first thing I want to point out to you today, I've got just a few points, just three points I believe, I think. It shows that the Lord is working all things together for the good of his people, even when they are least aware of it and despite of the waywardness of the one that he is using. God is working his will in every situation. I want to make that declaration. It doesn't say the Lord is working good things for the good of his people. It says he's working all things together for the good of his people. Come on, I know we think losing our job, well, that's not working for my good, but the Lord knows how to take negative things and work them for the good of his people, even when we're not aware of it. I want you to know I'm standing in the sunshine of his love today. I'm standing in the sunshine of his purpose today. And no matter what comes my way, God is working for my good. Oh, you ought to give the Lord a good hand clap of praise today and thank him for it. Amen. Samson, this man that we think, well, he had a, you know, a pretty good beginning before he was ever born. He was, he was spoken of as being a mighty man, a Nazarite, a committed man. But uh, Samson uh, took some turns in the road and his life took some tragic turns. And, and in our minds, if we're not careful, we think of Samson as somebody that, that in spite of himself, God used things and, and uh, he, he made some negative decisions, which he did. But I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, where the writer says, what shall I say? What? How can I even express it in more terms? What shall I more say? For I'm running out of time. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and about Barak and about Samson and about Jephthah and about David and about Samuel and of the prophets. Did you notice it? That man that made wrong decisions is listed in Hebrews 11 right beside a man that the Bible says every word he spoke did not fall from the ground. Samson is listed in one of the... In Hebrews 11 as one of the prophets and then it goes on to say who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in fight and turned the flight turned to flight the armies of the aliens surely there are more to mention yes the writer says how do I have time to tell you of everybody that God has used for his kingdom the writer says he doesn't have time to mention them all those who out of weakness were made strong I'd like to declare to you that verse is not finished yet because there are those in this room today that are in a battle and you need to recognize that you're in fine company today You say, well, Brother Gene, I've got problems going on in my life. I want to tell you, you're in good company today. For we don't even have time to tell everybody's story here about how God made a way and God brought you through and God was your help when you needed him. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. There are people here today that are in battles. 
I want to tell you, God notices where you are. He knows where you are this morning. He knows what you're facing today. Oh, somebody shout praise the Lord. I know you don't think your faith is big enough to be listed here, but keep on fighting, saint of God. Keep on believing, saint of God. Oh, I made wrong decisions, pastor. I gotta sit back here and hold my hands to myself because you don't know all the tragedy in my life. I wanna tell you, you're gonna be listed in good company if you just keep on keeping on. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna keep on believing. I'm gonna keep on trusting Oh, let's give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at this story for a minute. Samson fell in love. He asked his parents to arrange a marriage, and it produced family tension in his life. But what the parents were not aware of is that God was working his divine purpose. This doesn't mean Samson's behavior was right, but it does tell us that God was in control even when Samson's behavior wasn't right. No, no, I want you to hear me again, parent, who's worried about that adolescent. It doesn't mean Samson's behavior was right, but it does say that God was in control even when Samson was doing his own thing. Uh, you didn't hear me. Come on. You got loved ones that are lost. It doesn't mean their behavior's right, but it means God is still in control. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? God is in control of all of it. The most trivial events may be a necessary link in the great chain. And while men are blindly following their own will, while men are blindly making their own decisions with little or no knowledge of what will come of those decisions. God is making use of every decision. Think about it. Decisions have been made in the past that have affected your life. And in spite of those, God is making use of every decision to bring about his purpose. What is his purpose? That all men would come to repentance. That none should perish. That's what he's working. Well, my mom could have done this and my dad could have done that and that church board could have done this and that group of people could have done that. Yeah, and everybody could have done everything and God could have stopped Adam from ever eating of the tree before he ever ate it. But the fact of the matter is God is not put in a corner when we make our decision. God's God's in control. I said God's in control. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Lord. Well, he probably kept the road hot between his house and his girlfriend's house. I don't need to name any names today, but there's probably some young men and young women that's keeping the road hot between their houses. And on one of those frequent trips, this young man is headed to see his girlfriend and a lion jumps out and Samson is unarmed and the Bible says the spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon him. That word means quickly. A lot of people just, uh, they think Samson's like Hulk. He's both, you know, Samson, if you looked at him, you'd never know that he had that kind of power because it was the spirit of the Lord that was his power, not his physical strength. 
And the Bible tells us the Spirit of the Lord would come quickly on Samson and he tears that lion apart. Now at first sight, the incident seems to be totally irrelevant to the plot. It's like, okay, Samson's going to see his girlfriend. A lion jumps out and attacks him. He tears it up. He keeps on going. But a perspective, a perceptive reader will recognize that the lion that jumps out of the vineyard and attacks Samson is another agent from God. It's a part of the story. <laughs> No, you're not hearing me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some of the things that jump out of the vineyard in your life, God designed them. They're there on purpose. And I know you're mad at God because you always ought to be eating wine and eating grapes and cheese and everything ought to be fruits and nuts in your life. But every once in a while, a lion jumps out of the vineyard. Every once in a while, you get a phone call you weren't expecting. Every once in a while, there jumps out a power that if it weren't for God, it would destroy you. Come on, we all need to be reminded that every once in a while, there's a lion that jumps out and tries to grab a hold of us. I feel like the prophet today. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord on my side. Sometime later, in fact, the Bible tells us Presumably when his parents had completed the negotiations for the bride of their son, that could have been up to a year later, Samson returns to Timnath to get his wife. Now we know one thing, if you've studied bees, they're incredible creatures. Bees don't make a nest or, or, or hives in putrefying flesh. They don't do that. So time must have gone by. Uh, there must have been a length of time that had gone by and all that was remaining, the, the rotting meat and the flies and the maggots that infested then had stripped away all the carcass and probably what's left is just the bones because that's the only, uh, the, the, the only explanation that the bees would go in there and make a hive is when all of that other stuff is gone. And so we find that Samson turns aside and he sees this carcass and what he finds caught him by surprise. He finds a community of bees producing honey. And the Bible tells us he reaches into the carcass of the thing that had the power to destroy him and he took out something sweet. No, you didn't hear me. He reached into the carcass of the thing that had the power to destroy him and he took out something sweet. And the Bible says he ate honey all the way home. That's the way it ought to be in every one of us. We ought to realize if it hadn't been for the Lord, we'd have been destroyed a long time ago. But the things that have happened to us did not happen for our demise. They happened for us to get a little honey out of this carcass, to know that God has made a way. Now the Bible tells us that he gave some to his mother and to his father. Stay with me. He did not tell his parents. Everybody say he did not tell his parents. He didn't tell his parents where he got the honey. He had sweetness on his hands that he didn't tell his parents where he got it from. This incident remained on the mind of Samson for some time because we find later when he got married, he speaks of this encounter in a riddle. 
and he poses to the Philistines to solve the riddle. We're not gonna get into all that, but what he says tells us that it's still on Samson's mind when he says, I've got a riddle for you. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. I've got another thing to tell you today. Not only does God know how to work good and bad for the good of those that love the Lord, I want to tell you there are eaters in every life. They attack us. Life is more than excitement and success and having our way all the time. Much of the sweetness of life comes through great struggle. Every coach wants to know how his team will respond when they are soundly beaten in competition. Will they bounce back or will it affect their next game? Every general wants to know how his troops will respond after suffering a terrible defeat. Can they return to fight again? This kind of mentality calls those who make it from those who do not make it. The quitters are not gonna make it. The ones that say, I got beat once, so I'm just gonna quit. They're never gonna learn how to have victory in their life. I'm not here because I never had a misstep. I'm not standing here today worshiping because my life's always been perfect. But I want to tell you what makes us victorious is that a just man falls six times, but then he rises. Come on, let me see some men that know what it's like to get up off your knees and say, I'm getting up again. Let me see some women in here that will say, preacher, I know what you're talking about. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Jesus, help me. One man said, failure. One man said, failure is in a sense the highway to success. Oh yes, there are eaters in every life. What will you do with them? They say the game of chess, in the game of chess, that one wrong move can erase 40 good moves. That's amazing. So when you're playing chess, you don't wanna make one wrong move. But we're not playing chess. We're God's children. One wrong move doesn't take you 40 years to correct. No, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Elijah and Jonah both made one wrong move. They ran in the face of adversity. They deserted in the line of duty, but they came back. And that's the story. That's what counts. Out of the eater came forth meat. What do I do when God doesn't answer my prayer? What do I do when my dad dies an alcoholic? What do I do when my family suffers tragedy? What do I do with this chronic illness? Out of the eater, I get my meat. I'm gonna be stronger than I've ever been. I'm gonna be more victorious than I've ever been. I'm gonna praise God more than I ever have. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, this accident's not gonna kill me. I didn't get my way, but God knows what I need. Come on, praise the Lord for a minute. Come on, pray. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, God's gonna do a work in somebody's heart today. 
in Enterprise, Alabama. Anybody ever been to Enterprise, Alabama? You will find the Bow Weevil Monument. A monument to a bow weevil. There was a time in this area of Alabama where cotton was the king. And during this time, when you got cotton, yep, you're going to have bow weevils. You want a blessing? Yep. You want the sons of God to show up one day? Devil's coming with them. You want a big crop of blessing in your life? You may get a few bow weevils wanting to eat it up. Come on, I'm saying something to you now. All that sunshine you want in your life, don't you forget that that beautiful sunshine you want every day, don't forget that it's, it's turning that water that's on the earth into vapor and it's gonna produce a storm in short order. You cannot have sunshine and no rain. Hey, if you want to get your pilot's license, they don't get you on a clear sunny day and stick you in the cockpit and say, there's no wind and there's no storms. Anybody can fly on that day. No, they put a blindfold on you. They shut down the instruments and they see how you can fly in the midst of problems. You don't become the famous Sully who strikes a bird on... On, de on departing out of New York City. You don't get the fame of a sully who strikes a, fly, a flight of geese just a few moments after takeoff and has to land on the, on, the, on the river. You don't get that kind of solution by somebody that just earned their license yesterday out here in the sunshine. Oh God, give us people that realize that when the bow weevil shows up, I've got to fight. I gotta get in the fight. Yeah, cotton. Yeah, you want a bunch of cotton? Well, expect a bunch of weevils. During this time, the bow weevil came in and destroyed everything. Farmers began to face foreclosure, bankruptcy, until one day, one man decided to plant peanuts. And you know what? The bow weevils don't like peanuts, they like cotton. The area was so conducive to peanuts that in the course of time, cotton was no longer king. And the bow weevil monument gives honor to the bow weevil. In fact, the words on the monument say this, in our profound appreciation to the bow weevil as the herald of prosperity from the citizens of Enterprise, Coffee County, Alabama. I would to God I'd have some saints like that. No, you didn't hear me. I wish I had a church full of saints like that, that instead of sitting in their house saying, poor, poor me, the bow weevil ate my crop, they'd get up and say, hey, God's got something better for me. I'm gonna praise God anyway. In fact, we're gonna build a monument to our trouble because it was our trouble that brought us to great victory. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Come on, it's not as bad as you think it is. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. 
I want to say this. Here, I think this is my third point. I may have one more. But out of that, you can be seen, out of that which would destroy you comes forth life's sweetest blessings. Monument to the bow weevil. You need to make some monuments in your life. And I know you want to make them to your greatest moments. I know you want to make gods out of your best moments. But why don't you make a few monuments to those things that the devil sent to destroy you? But God gave you strength enough to make it through the night. And I'm a better man for it. So I'm going to build a monument to what the devil sent to destroy me. But God used it as my greatest leaping point. Come on. What? Hey, what comes to destroy you? The lions in your life can be the sweetest blessing. God is a master at turning things around. So God is constantly working behind the scenes. Even though we can't see God, nor can we feel God, nor do we understand what he's doing, God has his hand on the situation all the time. I, I did not say some of the time. I said God has his hand on the situation all of the time. Now that requires that I say to you, it's gonna take great faith to trust that God knows what he's doing because God doesn't always give me what I want, but neither did my mother. I don't know if you noticed it, I just did a parenting seminar, a three-day parenting seminar right there. Do you know why there's people that don't want to come to church when one thing goes bad in their life? Chances are they've lived a long time getting everything they want. Do you know that sometimes, now the Bible says don't provoke your children to wrath. Now I saw that happen. You can be seated. I appreciate you standing Makes me think you want me to finish. <laughs> Don't worry. My first Sunday to preach with the stop clock. I've been thinking some of you folks been lying to me that I've been preaching so long. I got proof right here. All right. So don't distract me. I saw proof of this. The Bible says don't provoke your children to wrath. When I was in California, there's a restaurant out in California that, that we like to go to if we go. In fact, we'll go every day if we're in California. It's a burger place called In-N-Out. They don't have them here in the east, you know, even in the Midwest. But out west and a little south, maybe in Texas, I think they're coming over into Kansas even. But In-N-Out, famous California burger place. And if you go into to In-N-Out, you got to order a double-double animal style. Just to give you the secret, double-double animal style. So if you ever go and you get to in and out order double-double animal style. Impressive. I was sitting there in in and out eating my double-double. They got the, the homemade fries. The guy in the back's doing the potatoes right there in front of you and throw them in the fire. So it's good stuff. Anyway, I'm sitting there eating my double-double. And this guy comes to the table. His two little girls are sitting there. And, and the girl sees her little corn dog that they got her. And then sees her dad's, he got a triple burger. 
And she's looking at her little corn dog and looking at his triple burger. And Hunter, he goes, hey, hey, look what your daddy's got. Well, you know what she did? I want that. She can't even get the thing in her mouth. Dads, don't provoke your children. That kid destroyed my dinner because of her daddy. What is wrong with you? We had it happen this morning. Lynn left one of her grandsons wandering around here in the gym. I come in and he goes, I'm looking for my grandma. I said, oh, she's here somewhere. Stay right by. Betty comes out and says, oh, your grandma left. Do you know what that did to that child? I looked at Betty like, Betty, there's times you're not supposed to tell everything you know. Oh, she's gone, and he went, I mean, we were working up to a DEFCON 5. I said, Betty, she's not gone. Don't provoke your children. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Somebody say amen. amen. But I want to tell you something else. Even though I know I shouldn't provoke my children, I want to break the news to Shayla right now. Since she's such a genius, she'll understand this. I won't break the news to her. There are sometimes me and mama said no just because we wanted to see how they'd handle no. Some of that stuff it was in my power to do. Well, it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of my time, but if you want it, honey, I'm going to go get it for you. What? You need to see how your kid responds to no. And if you say no, and easy goes, you got problems. She's heard a lot of yeses in her life. And when you come to church and God says, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that right now. And you go, well, bless God, this is my last time here. I ain't coming back. You don't give me what I want, I ain't coming back. Every once in a while, you need to hear a divine no. You're liking this message, aren't you? Especially that part right over there where I had to fit. <laughs> Listen now, every once in a while, God says no to us. It's for our good. You ever told your kid, don't touch that? That's grandma's keepsake china plate. What does your kid do? I know what my kid does. Some of you don't. Some of you that are still kids don't know. But I know what kids do. They'll look at you and start going over there to that thing you told them not to touch. And they'll look at you and go, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> go, oh, well, it's no big. They'll do that the rest of their life. <laughs> and they'll think that they can get everything they want. Nobody's going to ever tell them no. God help me the stopwatch is running but I got to say this to all you folks oh you shouldn't you, you know you got to put your child in time out man I wish I'd have had time out I love being in my room by myself I got into all kind of mischief when I was by myself if mom would have said time out I would have said yippee-ki-yay in fact I would have done stuff just to go to time out so they'd leave me alone Time out. No, I didn't get time out. I got burnout. And I went yesterday. Yesterday, I flew into 
St. Louis and Cheryl and Shayla picked me up. And we're driving back. And we got a few places we'd like to eat. But we've been seeing this sign for this German restaurant that opened up. Now, we like German food. Man, I wish you'd do that all the time. <laughs> I'm teasing. German food. I said, hey, let's try this new German place. We pulled up the place is massive. And I quickly realized that this is not as much about food as it is German folly. Brewing beer. Right outside the building, they had about seven or eight brew tanks. I thought, ah, this doesn't look like it's going to be much on the food. So we go in, we sit down, we order some Wiener schnitzel and some red cabbage. And, some, and all of a sudden, I hear folks over not far from me hollering and screaming, and I look, and there's a grown man. Grown, as grown as I'm grown. 40 plus years old at least. They've got a chair out there in the middle of the floor, and he is bending over the chair. And one of the waiters has a big long paddle. And I kid you not, everybody goes, one, two, three. And the guy goes, wham! You heard it all the way across the restaurant. And when that waiter hit that guy in the rear end, he goes, whoa! And then to my surprise, there was a line of people that lined up and bent over the chair, men and women. Wham! Woo! I suddenly realized we probably won't be going back here. Because then I noticed the sign on the table that said, buy a shot, get a swat. And there are literally grown-ups that are buying shots of liquor just so they can get a swat on the rear end. Now listen, all you folks that say, oh, don't spank your kids. Listen, if grown-ups, <laughs> if you don't want your folks buying shots, you might need to give them a swat every once in a while. My wife's eyebrows are climbing up her forehead. Oh, you're thinking about the clock? Well, <laughs> I was thinking about the clock during the quizzing presentation, but anyway. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I wandered right into that one, didn't I? I think I'll get a swat when I get home. <laughs> oh, clap your hands to the Lord. The pastor's going to get a swat when he gets home. 38 minutes, my Lord. I want to say, I want to say, there are times that I feel like I'm getting a beating from the Lord. But I thank God for every mountain. I thank God for every challenge. In fact, when I look back, I'm a better man today because I had to climb over something. I had, to, I had to struggle over something. I had to climb up on something and say, now God, you're the one that's gonna help me over this. And if you don't help me, Anybody else in this room know what I'm talking about? God brought you through. I want to tell you right now in this room, there are people that were drug addicts. Their life was broken, but they're standing in this room blessed, full of the Holy Ghost. 
All right, I, I hurry, sorry. 39 minutes, 39 minutes, I hurry. Listen, every once in a while, you gotta, you gotta put up with some things you don't appreciate. Rebecca, the Bible tells us Abraham's servant is sent to go find a bride for Isaac and he comes to a well and he finds women there early in the morning watering their flocks. Rebecca went to the well that day just to get water for her flocks. And the Bible tells the servant of God, whoever offers you water to drink and your camel also, that's your camels also, that's the one that's the bride for my servant's son. Now I'm not thinking if this was uh, Rebecca's disposition or, or not. I don't know if she was a hard worker. I have no idea. But the fact of the matter is while she's standing there and this man is on this camel, she says, sir, would you like a drink of water? He says, well, yes, I'd love a drink of water. And then she says, while you're drinking your water, let me water your camels. Camels. Now camels are pretty heavy drinkers. We'd swat them a bunch. Camels drink a lot of water after crossing a desert. Some propose that each camel, each camel, can drink 20, 10 to 20 gallons of water. So Rebecca could have drawn between 100 to 200 gallons of water in that one encounter. I don't know, ladies, I want to help you with that math. You ever seen a five-gallon bucket? I should have went in the kitchen and got one. We got some back there. A big five-gallon bucket? It's at least 40 of those buckets. Rebecca had a lot of work to do. And sometimes you're just minding your business and you step into the will of God and all of a sudden you feel like all you're doing is watering camels and you're just about wore out. She has no idea what's about to happen. She didn't understand the trial she was going through. She didn't understand that her name was gonna be written in the word of God. She didn't understand that God was about to bring her into a promise. Come on, saints, keep watering the camels. Keep on being faithful. God is going to bring you through. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Yeah. I want to say this, if it helps you pray, if it helps you be better, if it knocks all the barbs off of you, if it makes you kinder, if it makes you gentler, if it makes you holier, if it makes you humbler, if it makes you want God, if it helps you realize I can't do anything in myself, then guess what? Bring it on. We need the Lord. And the last thing I want to mention Thank you, Sherry, for playing for the last 15 minutes. The last thing, God's trying to give you honey. God's trying to give you honey. What will you do with the agony of pain and with disease and poor health and things you don't understand? Tim's standing back there. Tim should recognize the name Charles Steinmetz. Maybe he doesn't.
But Charles fostered the development of alternating current that made possible the expansion of electrical power in, in the United States of America, formulated by mathematical theories for engineers. Steinmetz suffered from dwarfism, hunchback, and hip dysplasia. That means his hip was out of joint. The ball socket wasn't even in where it was supposed to be, as did his father and his grandfather. You know what Charles Steinmetz did? He reached into the carcass of what could have destroyed him, and he said, you know what, I think there's some honey there. I think there's some honey there. Somebody said it this way. Sometimes we waste our pain. So why don't you reach into the carcass of the thing that has the power to destroy your faith if you let it. And why don't you bring out a little honey today and say, you know what? I may have a thorn in my side, but the Lord left it there so that I could have greater revelation. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Jesus, help me. Hey, out of the eater came forth sweets. Don't forget this, saint of God. It was the cross. It was the cross that put a thief in the spot where Jesus could take him to paradise. I don't think that thief probably wanted to die, but when he got nailed to that cross, he was right beside Jesus. He was right at the right place at the right time, and a cross put him there. How many crosses in my life nail me to a spot so that I can't move, and God says, I'm your help. Hebrews 5 and 8 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he enjoyed. No, he suffered. I know we all want life to be fun, exhilarating, a fishing trip every week, every dream fulfilled, but without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that doesn't just mean Jesus. That means me and you. We've got to pay the price also. There can be no salvation without a cross. Honey comes out of an eater. Honey comes out of an eater. Honey comes out of something that could have destroyed me. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord. And I close. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry. I'll stick a little closer to the stopwatch next week. Interesting point. Listen, Samson came home with honey and did not tell his parents where he got it. That's why I've waited till now to tell you the title of my message. Honey in my hands. Honey in my hands. Many people are always reminding us of the tremendous struggles they're having. A lot of people are always calling saying, Pastor, I'm having a battle. A lot of people magnify the lions, but they never bring us any honey. In fact, I would like to submit to you that the opposite's true, that when some of us are fighting lions, that's when it's the hardest for us to find any sweetness. In fact, pastor doesn't even need any gift of the Spirit operating to know when some of you are discouraged. You tell us without saying a word. Now here's a man that had been in a battle for his life. 
and he chose, you know what? I'm not going to tell anybody about the struggle I've been in. i tell you what I am going to do, though. I'm going to let somebody taste the sweetness. <laughs> Every service is that way. Okay. I guess we better dismiss. But I want to say this. Now you know why I think you ought to lift your hands a little bit. In fact, some of you ought to shake them real good. Because you know what? If you got honey on your hands, somebody else needs to know that God's able. Somebody else needs to know that God can bring... Some of you ought to get to clapping your hands. You know why? Because if you've got honey on your hands, it needs to be spread in this congregation. You don't need to be spreading your depression. You need to be spreading your honey. God's been good. God brought me through. God's a way maker. He's gonna heal me. He's gonna save my family. Come on, share a little honey. Yep, there'll always be enough saws in your life that do not want you to eat honey. Because in the word of God, we find Israel's in a battle. They come to a place where there's honey on the ground. Saul has told them not to eat anything till they destroy the enemy. Yet Jonathan had never heard that command. And he starts walking through the woods and he sees honey on the ground. Now I'm telling you what, that's some serious bees. If they produce so much honey that wherever it is in those trees, now it's all over the ground. And Jonathan is walking in a field full of honey. You know what he does? He reaches down to get some of it and he puts it to his lips. And everybody says, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Saul said, don't eat any of that honey. And there are enough carnal saws in your life to tell you God's forgotten you. God's not going to give you sweetness. God's not going to answer your prayer. But every once in a while, those who are in the battle need a little taste of honey. So I'm closing today with this. There are some of you here today, I know who you are, I'm your pastor, and, and I know it'd be impressive if the evangelist called your name because he doesn't know you, but I know you, and I know you're going through the battle. You see no reason why all this is going on in your life. You don't have any understanding today of what God is doing, but there are others here today that have come through some battles. There are others here today that God has brought them through and they've got some honey on their hands. Come on, everybody stand right now. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want, I'm hurrying, but I want everybody in this room, you've got a problem that you need God to work on. You're right in the midst of fighting a lion and I don't care what it is. I'm not gonna start naming it because then you'll say, Brother Gene didn't call it out. If there's a lion in your life that you're battling with, I want you to just step out, make your way right up here. Come on, there's something I'm battling over. It doesn't mean you're lost. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means you got a battle on your hands. Come on, come right up here in the front. I got a battle on my hands, preacher. I'm fighting with something that's trying to destroy me. I'm fighting with something that's trying to get a hold of me. Come on, come on, all across this building. Come on, while the singers come. Now I'll tell you what I want to happen. 
I want some of you saints of God that God has brought you through, that God has made a way for you. I want you to slip up in this altar and I want you to rub a little honey on somebody. I want you to put your hand on somebody and I want you to pray for them right now and say, God, I believe you're gonna bring them through. Come on. Come on. Come on, you ex-drug addict. Yes, we need you in the altar. Why? Because we need your honey here. Come on, you ex-alcoholic. Yes, we need you in the altar. Why? Because we need your honey. Come on. Come on. You got honey on your hands. You got honey in your hands. Come on. Pray over somebody.